0: Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact podcast for the service management and support industries, brought to you by HDI, where service management and support professionals belong. Our guest for this episode of SpotCast is Jim Bolton, founder and president of ProPoint Solutions and the co-author of Problem Management, a practical guide published by TSO. Jim has over a decade of experience at architecting and delivering IT service management solutions and has extensive experience in diagnosing and solving complex organizational process and technical challenges. Jim, it's nice to be talking with you again.
1: Hey, Roy, good to hear from you.
0: We're gonna talk about problem management and probably some associated topics today. HCI conducts research every year. We do industry reports and so forth, as you know. When we conduct the research, we see the majority of support organizations are handling more cases. Each year we see you know, 55% of organizations say their caseload has gone up or e- even higher than that. And the majority of those cases, about 53 54%, are incidents. So they're unplanned interruptions. How much can a good problem management program help?
1: You know, really, that's a great question historically we've and your statistics validate this historically we've spent uh, so much time uh, getting better and better and better at fixing it fast you've probably heard me uh, talk about that before Uh, but we really haven't done uh, as much about uh, fixing it permanently Uh, and I think that's that's the uh, sad part and the missing part uh, from a uh, how do we get to become a better uh, IT organization? How do we do a better job of taking care of our customers? We're not investing in fixing it so that it doesn't fail. And there are some challenges associated with that. Uh, A lot of organizations uh, haven't, you know, I was thinking about this um, maybe a little bit in the last week or so. A lot of organizations haven't adopted Uh, The concept that a penny saved is a penny earned. So we're spending a lot of time getting better and better and better, as you and I both know about fixing it fast, knowledge management, uh, many other techniques that we're using. Um, And what we hopefully would be moving toward is looking at those counts, not only to move those knowledge articles up higher in the database, but also looking at those counts and saying, wow, maybe we can eliminate this one permanently. The challenge then is we haven't done a good job of quantifying that work. Uh, we haven't done a good job from a problem management perspective of going back to the customer and saying, just so you know, here are the things that we did uh, to keep these incidents from occurring. We we have a tendency, I think, to forget Uh, that we're not needing to call as much anymore. Uh, Things become stable uh, and it becomes expected. And and by the way, that's a good thing. Uh, However, in the process of things becoming stable and it's expected that it would be stable, we really need to kind of continue to stay in front of our customer and stay in front of our user and let them know, oh, by the way, and here are things we did this month to make it more stable. Here are things that we did this month to make it more stable. The customers would have no visibility of that if we didn't share it.
0: I think that's absolutely true, and and I don't think we share enough information. And and when we do share, we have a tendency to do it in IT speak. Our RC102.5 server did not go down this month. And people say, great, what's that?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we neglected to mention, oh, and by the way, when that goes down, whenever that one was, you just mentioned, whenever that goes down, it affects you know 1,500 users or 15,000 users uh, at X cost per minute or X cost per second when the system goes down. Yeah. Which services for which customers? That's always the question that I ask. Which services for which customers? Who all was affected by that?
0: Yeah, there was a stat that I, I ran across uh, a couple of years ago that about 30% of our time at, at work in general, and in some organizations, I'm sure it's even higher, we're, we're spending on email. So I took the example of their email system going down in a large organization and said, okay, the email system was down for 10 minutes. So what does that mean in terms of, of user interruptions when you take 30,000 users who spend 30% of their time in email? Okay, well, that's a lot of time, and it worked out to something like 187 days of lost productivity for that 10-minute outage. We tend not to think of things in those terms, but it, you know, IT says, well, it was a 10-minute outage, and, and the business or the institution says, it was 187 days of lost productivity. So we have to really put it in the terms that people understand. In terms of problem management, part part of problem management and perhaps the best known part of problem management for a lot of people is root cause analysis. And there's been a good bit of discussion around that topic lately that says, why are we wasting time on this? There is no root cause. What do you think about that and why do you think that?
1: Great. What a great question, Roy. I can tell you've thought about these. Um, you know, first, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I, I think we sometimes need to talk about root causes instead of root cause. Uh, Because a lot of organizations uh, will invest some level of energy into getting to a root cause, uh, but haven't fully investigated uh, all of the potential root causes. Uh, And that takes more time and it takes more discipline, which I'm sure you are probably uh, have some questions on that going forward. Uh, But the example that I like to use... Uh, was the Gulf oil spill a few years ago, which we're all uh, very familiar with. Um, And in the end, after they had spent uh, probably close to a year doing root cause analysis, they actually found eight root causes uh, that all eight needed to be addressed in order to make sure that something like this didn't occur again. So I think for uh, maybe a lot of the listeners, uh, the, the big takeaway on root cause analysis would be exactly that. I think we need to ask more uh, questions. Well, why did that happen? Well, why did that happen? Well, why didn't that get seen? You know, one of the techniques we talk about is five whys. Uh, and then, uh, one uh, takeaway that I would love for our listeners to be able to uh, uh, get from this uh, conversation is every time we get to a, a, a why, occasionally we're going to have two answers. Why did that occur? Well, it was this and it was this or or it was this. And I would suggest that a lot of organizations need to take that, what we would call a branch uh, and investigate both of those branches. And so just be prepared uh, that when we actually start drawing this out, uh, it actually gets uh, to the true full set of root causes. Uh, and that's what organizations need to be looking for.
0: And what a lovely segue into a question that I have about methods of, of doing and documenting problem management. So you mentioned the five whys, and there's also the Ishikawa diagram. And there's, there's some other ways of, of documenting uh, cause analysis and, and, and just in the process of problem management. What do you think uh, is the most effective approach, if, if you have a favorite and why?
1: A great, great question. Uh, I should, I've, I should preface my answer to say, um, in the uh, problem management course, uh, we talk specifically about which techniques are best to use based on the type of problem that folks are looking at. So I'm going to, uh, rather than recreate that uh, entire chart, uh, what I'll tell you is uh, there are a couple that I believe are effective initially, and those are. Maybe the most important for uh, many of our listeners because we need to get problem management started so that the organization begins to start seeing the value of it. Uh, and, and we should start with the techniques uh, that are simpler and easy to, uh, easier to understand. I love five lies. The first time it was introduced to me probably uh, 10 plus years ago, I remember thinking, this is the goofiest thing I've ever heard of before. Then I watched it done once and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Then I started using it and realized... Oh, what an eye-opener. We, we we haven't really thought about this. And I always say we use five whys with our kids as they were growing up. Well, why did your grades drop down? Well, why did you choose that friend? Well, why did you decide to do whatever? And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper into what's what's really going on, what really is the root cause, or uh, to my earlier comment, uh, what are the root causes? I'm not a big fan of Ishikawa diagrams, although I used it uh in a a meeting with some friends of ours just a week ago uh, where we were talking about what topics uh, should we be studying uh, next year as we meet together once a month. And I realized they had a mission statement and the mission statement said, these are the sorts of topics that we should be learning about each year. Uh, And I thought, well, wait a minute, let's make sure that we're proposing uh, monthly presentations that are tied to those topics. So as a long segue into Ishikawa diagrams, what I would say is this, we have a tendency to ignore uh, certain areas that we should be considering. Uh, In IT, we talk about people, process, and technology. And so we should make sure, and that's one of the values of Ishikawa diagrams, is that we're looking at, did we consider process? Did we consider people? Did we consider technology? Have we got some ideas on each one of those branches? The reason I say I'm not a big fan of Ishikawa diagrams, now that I've already sold it to you, is that sometimes we spend way too much time in the meeting then trying to figure out, well, was that really a people issue or was that a training issue? Do we need a separate bone for training? And what I would say is, skip that conversation entirely, uh, put two notes up on the wall uh, and replicate that in two places uh, rather than trying to figure out which bone it best uh, fits on. Uh, so five whys I love. I think if you follow that branching, uh, you're going to get to uh, multiple root causes. That's my favorite. Uh, Ishikawa diagrams, make sure that we consider uh, each one of those branches. And then the other one that I like to use, Roy, depending on, again, the maturity of the organization, is a uh, brainstorming uh, a lot of times as you can imagine we get called into a, a consulting engagement um, a, and uh, the only reason we would invite a consultant is because we haven't been able to solve it for ourselves and so we need somebody that's kind of coming in with not a particular bias in one direction or another in terms of how to solve this i love brainstorming because it's quick uh, and it allows everybody to put up their ideas on the board Uh, without being contested. Uh, And then we use a technique that we talk about in the course called uh, group norming, uh, where we then give everybody, you know, three or four votes uh, to choose the ones uh, out of the entire list on the whiteboard that they believe are the most likely. Uh, Those votes are tallied uh, not in the presence of the group. Uh, And so the group comes back together again, and they see the results. Uh, Everybody's vote counts, However, it's the total votes that help us determine which of the things we should be working on first. And again, this takes us back to the fact that there are multiple root causes, which are the ones that we should be working on first.
0: So I just wanted to, to mention that for, for folks who may not be familiar with Ishikawa diagrams, they're also called fishbone diagrams. And Jim has several times used the term bone, and a bone would be one line on that diagram. If you're not familiar with it, check out the uh, the massive thing that starts with G that has all the answers, and uh, you can see what an Ishikawa diagram looks like.
1: Uh, so, good point. Thanks. Thank you.
0: So, sure. And so... A combination of approaches uh, seems to be maybe one of the things that we should bear in mind as we go into a problem management process to keep ourselves open, do some brainstorming, perhaps do Ishikawa diagram, perhaps use five whys along the way. That kind of approach uh, seemed to work well for you.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, typically, what we would do is uh, start with the simpler techniques first, which is the ones that we're talking about here, uh, and then eventually start moving on to uh, some more complex techniques uh, if they're necessary. Uh, and that would happen in organizations that are have a much more mature problem management process uh, than the folks who are, you know, in their uh, in their earlier years. Uh, and one comment that I'll make uh, as we're talking about uh, these uh, easier techniques uh, to use, and that is, we have to be careful that the brainstorming meeting doesn't turn in turn into a blame storming. Uh, so it's making sure that we get the right folks invited uh, to those meetings. Uh, many times we'll see folks uh, start to head. All of the issues are associated with networks. All the issues are associated with a database. All the issues are associated with the applications. All the issues are related to our users or our customers. No, no, no. no. Hang on a second. There are probably branches associated with each one of those that we need to be investigating.
0: When you talked a little bit about the brainstorming uh, meetings, that's one of the things that sprang to mind. One of the things I like best about the culture of DevOps is blameless postmortems. Uh, if, if something doesn't go right, we really don't try to pin the tail on whoever it is that, uh, you know, may have made a mistake or left something out of the code or didn't cycle something properly when they did it. Uh, forget that stuff. Figure out how to fix it so it doesn't happen again is, is really the, uh, the key.
1: Great point. And, you know, that goes back to culture and that goes back to leadership and that goes back to uh, the fact that we want to be teaming together uh, to increase value, to increase the reliability of the services that we're providing. Uh, that's a big part. Uh, great point, Roy. Big part of the success of problem management.
0: The company that you founded, ProPoint Solutions, developed some specific training problem management professional, uh, and you mentioned that along the way. And, and HDI has just acquired that body of knowledge and, and training courses that, that you originated. So how do these courses differ from, say, ITIL Foundation through ITIL Expert? And what's the benefit to the organization that might invest in one of these trainings?
1: That's a great point. Uh, thanks Thanks for asking. And by the way, we're super excited uh, that our intellectual property and the courseware that we've developed over the last 15 years uh, has been acquired by a company that's going to do an amazing job of advancing the work uh, that we've put into this uh, to the benefit of uh, the industry that we've served over these last uh, dozen plus years. So super excited about that. Um, one of the things that I appreciate About uh, uh, about ITIL uh, is the ability to be able to uh, collaborate in terms of getting to uh, best practice and and uh, you didn't ask the question, but I was I'm going to go back just a tiny bit. Uh, in terms of, well, where did this whole problem management thing uh, come from? And it came from conversations with customers. A lot of it was uh, statistical data, Uh, Roy, that you've already shared some of it uh, in this call today, uh, that pointed to, well, we're getting better and better at fixing things fast, perhaps. Uh, We're getting better at knowledge management, uh, perhaps. Uh, But our incident counts seem like they're going up, and shouldn't they perhaps be going down? great conversations. So uh, a few years back, uh, we started offering courses on specific processes where ITIL talks about things more from a theoretical perspective by design. So so don't misunderstand me. We need process theory. Uh, And thank you for all the folks who who have contributed to that. What some would argue or debate would be a better word, is that maybe ITIL really didn't get us to, well, how do we adopt and adapt these uh, to our uh, particular organization? Uh, We had a uh, uh, a bias in that direction because our customers were asking us uh, as we were supporting them over the years, well, how do we do this in our place? And so each time that occurred uh, around a specific process, uh, we developed a, uh, if you will, a course uh, for that client. And we invested in those courses heavily, uh, believing that, gee, if one of our customers was asking that question, perhaps another one would. Uh, and Roy, I'll tell you, we didn't hit 100%. Uh, not every one of the courses that we developed ended up being something that was uh, to use P Pete McGearhan's uh, my favorite quote: uh, "Build it once and sell it ten ways or ten times." Uh, there were many certainly uh, courses that were maybe only two or three times used, but the exciting thing is is that they're all in that course library that's going to get advanced uh, moving forward in the industry. So what we did was uh, what we did was we took those best practice uh, theory and uh, concepts and moved them into how do we practically implement this. Uh, To an organization and maybe even more importantly, how do we implement it? Uh, How do we bring this about? How do we adopt and adapt it in your organization? Uh, And for many of these process courses problem management uh, for sure is the one we're talking about today uh, We incorporated uh, those process maturity assessment questions Uh, So in the process of attending the course or taking the training the students would be able to walk away with oh my goodness based on that maturity maturity assessment question set, I am now able to build my roadmap. I know which things I need to be working on first, which I should probably stop and do a quick segue. That's largely uh, been the challenge is we know we're not doing well. at something I can't tell you how many times Roy, a customer has uh, has approached us and said, well, we don't need to do a process maturity assessment because we already know we're bad at it. And my response is, Mm You don't yet know which parts of it you're not good at, and until you know uh, for sure the sequence, you know, the rungs on the ladder, we got to get this part first before we move to this part, we have a tendency to look at the whole ladder, and and we may discover, many organizations discovered that they were working on rung three uh, issues with their process, but it didn't matter. They didn't get any results from it because there were rung one issues that hadn't been addressed yet. So it helps them build the roadmap, helps them build the sequence. Okay, we got to get this part done first.
0: And actually, that, you're spot on there, Jim. Uh, a lot of the criticisms that have been leveled against ITIL or or even more broadly against IT service management is it doesn't specifically address the needs of the organization and is written from a more theoretical standpoint as as you say and so this is a great great way to to learn how to adapt it for your particular needs so that's terrific so it brings me to ask this if my organization you know XYZ company were to start a problem management program if we don't have a formal program in place what advice would you give me to get it right and what other functions or processes need to be working well for problem management to succeed?
1: It's a great question. That's a great question, very insightful question. Um, That one, I feel like I can answer pretty confidently. Uh, We've got to get incident categorization done correctly. And you you and I talked about this a little bit earlier in our call, Uh, incident categorization has to do with which services are we talking about? Which customer groups are we talking about? Uh, Many organizations are focused in the direction of technology. Uh, To use your example earlier, it was a a server number, which doesn't mean anything uh, to the customers. It doesn't mean anything to the users. In fact, frankly, it's frustrating uh, when when, uh, we do a monthly performance report, uh, to your example earlier, well, it was really only down, you know, the server was really only down for 10 minutes. Oh, but wait, this server provides email to the entire corporation and ended up resulting in over 100 days of lost productivity. Uh, So thinking in terms of categorization uh, as it relates to impact to uh, users, because that allows me to be able to prioritize out of all the work, out of all the things that we could be doing problem management on, which are the ones that have the biggest impact to the organization. Now, I need to uh, put a period there or an and, however, uh, to say uh, the next part of categorization has to do with uh, did we get the technology categorization done correctly. However, from an incident management perspective, this is what we call resolution categorization. Now we do need to know which server failed. Uh, So we now know which service For which users, that allows me to be able to calculate the cost and impact of the organization. And then incident resolution categorization gets me to a piece of technology. And that's the second part of categorization that's going to help problem management be successful. How do we now drill down to understand what's going on with that server? Was that a person issue? Was that a train? If it was a person issue, was it a training issue? Was it a process issue? Um, did we bring somebody on that didn't get onboarding correctly? There's a lot of great questions that could go there. Or is it a technology issue? Uh, Are those servers dated? Are we doing proper maintenance? Have the fan filters been getting replaced? And oh, by the way, if it did overheat, do we have other servers that we haven't done the filter replacements on? Uh, Where are those servers located? And that takes us back to a process. Do we have a process to do that? And if we have a process to do it, did we did the, Did we train folks to do it? Do we have performance metrics to make sure that we're following it? And I'm giving you kind of a long spider web of where does this go, uh, but getting to uh, really uh, the importance of incident uh, proper categorization from an initial categorization and also from a resolution categorization.
0: And it sounds to me like a lot of what you talked about goes back to configuration management as well. So having a handle on what's the status of each configuration item and what is running on those particular pieces of hardware and, and what is tied to what, what are all the dependencies in between those is, is so important to, to know. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would, and you brought up—that's uh, interesting. You, you you brought up configuration management, um, and what I would what I would say for um, mature, for the very mature audience, uh, you are spot on. Uh, if we've got our configuration management system uh, set up to the place that we understand uh, all, all of the the connections uh, associated with bringing up a a service for a particular customer. Uh, Congratulations, uh, good for you all. Uh, For those of you who are on the call and you're thinking, wow, configuration management for us is still two or three or four, it's not even in our service management plan yet, Uh, I would encourage you to minimally consider doing configuration management for your most important service. So stand up configuration management for your most important service. And, Roy, here's an idea. Uh, What if we actually put configuration management in as a deliverable for the next new service that we're doing our design and implementation on? What if we took the money uh, – sorry, the cost uh, and resources, uh, money and people – Uh, and roll that into the project plan. Wow, now we get to put configuration, build configuration management, stand it up for our newest service. uh, And wow, will this advance uh, IT in the eyes of uh, the customer set.
0: And I think one of the things that we're arriving at here, Jim, is that these processes are woven together in ways that we may not think about all the time because we're we're siloed and you know i'm looking at incidents because i work on the service desk i'm looking at requests i'm looking at incidents or i'm looking at security or i'm looking at server administration or i'm looking at network administration all of this all of the services and all of the processes really are woven together in ways that we have to stop and think about in order to understand them and and that's why uh, the problem management approach is is so great because it tries to see into that fabric of connection, right?
1: That's a, yeah. That's uh, that is such a great point. Uh, and maybe this is a good segue to um, you know a new course uh, that's that's coming out. Service man- uh, which isn't a new course, um, but uh, updated service management optimization um, starts with which services are we providing to which customers? So it gets us into service catalog and service level management. Uh, If we don't have that core uh, conversation up front, we can't then move to the next process we should be looking at uh, in in Jim's mind, uh, which is incident management, because we can't get our categorization done correctly. We can't get our incident prioritization done correctly, which then moves us to change management. How do we get these changes to be approved more quickly? And then lastly, And if we're logging all of our changes into our service management tool, prepares us for, in my mind, process number four uh, in sequence, which is, all right, so now we're ready to do problem management. I've got instance categorized correctly because I understand which services we're delivering for which customers, so service level management service catalog. Incident management categorization then done correctly based on that information from service level management. Then we get the uh, uh, the incidents resolved quickly through a more effective change management process. And then in the and then the fact that we've now logged our incidents and we've logged our changes, problem management's now able to do both uh, understanding which things we should be working on first from the incident management and service level management concepts. And how do we get to the root cause uh, from, to use your words, uh, configuration management and the fact that we've made changes to our infrastructure? All four of those are so tightly uh, tied together.
0: You've been teaching problem management for a long time. Can you think of one essential bit of information that will help an organization get it right or perhaps, in addition to that, convince an organization to invest in problem
1: management? Great question, and and I think my uh, uh, prior response uh, is, is a good starting point in terms of how do we get it right? Uh, those four processes in that sequence will be a big part of getting it right. We have a tendency to look at ITIL and it's 20 plus processes uh, and go, well, I want, uh, I see the benefit to all of those. And so I want, uh, you know, I want all of those. One day, maybe, uh, but we need to take baby steps. Uh, and the baby steps would be, let's get those core processes taken care of first that I that I just described. Uh, the second part of your question, w- which I think is uh, equally intriguing and important, is how do we get this to happen in my organization? How do we get my organization to invest in problem management? Uh, and I think it goes back to, uh, and I know you and I have talked about this before, uh, very times Uh, we get what we measure and when we measure our success based on uh, fixing things fast uh, which we should that's an important part of our success uh, we often miss uh, the point which you brought up earlier and that is how do we reduce the counts entirely Uh, there's just a lot of practical guidance uh, in that problem management to professional certification course uh, that folks can benefit from and I hope Uh, that we start to see more and more uh, time uh, being invested into uh, getting to uh, the root causes uh, of these things that are occurring in our infrastructure that's causing our users and or customers to be less than optimally satisfied with our services. Uh, I'm super excited for it and I'm really uh, thankful, Roy, that you gave me an opportunity uh, to talk today uh, about these concepts and hopefully uh, share my enthusiasm for this topic.
0: Jim, thank you so much for being on SpotCast. We're glad to have you here and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon.
1: Sounds good, Roy. Take care, my friend.
0: Thank you for joining us for SpotCast. For excerpts from this and other SpotCasts, visit thinkhdi.com. We'll see you next time.